Hello, everyone. Robert Walker here, along with Caleb Pierce, and we are Sheep Things Podcast. Our goal with this podcast is to get down to the basics with industry leaders, associations, breeders, owners, vets, suppliers, and anyone else we can find to hear their stories and firsthand experiences. Hopefully, we will ask the right questions to see what makes them successful, how they got started, and what they see for the future of the sheep industry. We hope to have something new weekly that we can share, so stay connected to our website, Facebook page, or sign up to follow us on a podcast service to get updates as they are published. Stay tuned as we try to share our learning experience with you all as we dive into the sheep industry together. Okay, guys, uh, this is season two, episode eight with Lynn Farmhart. Of, uh, he's the uh, chairperson of NSIP, uh, previous president of KHSI, and a two-term board member, probably a 25-year Katahdin breeder. Um, and we've been going over uh, in the previous podcast all the different aspects of NSIP. Um, you know, a lot of questions we get are uh, the basic stuff, uh, how to collect data, what the data means, how I can apply the data in my flock. And we hope that uh, we've covered all those and hopefully we've asked the right questions uh, to Lynn for him to explain it to us uh, where it's easier to understand. So uh, we hope we've done that. Uh, if you haven't listened to the other podcasts, go back. There's uh, This is part six, I believe. Uh, we had over six hours of, uh, of a long, long night of podcasting we did with Lynn. So we tried to break it up uh, into 30, 45 minutes, an hour episodes uh, so you don't fall asleep. But anyway, uh, uh, glad you're with us. Uh, hope you enjoy what we've done. And uh be ready for some for some new stuff. We've uh, upgraded some equipment. Uh, we've had a downtime period here. Uh, sorry that it's we've not published as many lately. Uh, just been a busy time, lambing and a um, few other changes here and there. But uh, but we'll have our new equipment up and going for the our next not our next guest, but the following guest. So stay tuned and uh, hope the experience just keeps getting better and better. Thank you. Okay, um, what we're going to talk about? New EBVs. New ones? Oh, yeah. So another question and things that we, we talk about a lot as NSIP breeders is as we're working towards, you know, avoiding single trait selection, sometimes we want to have more traits just to maintain and make sure that, that we're not losing any traits uh, too quickly. Um, so there's been lots of discussions about different traits that could be added or um, to have some new tools for selection since the technology is so powerful. What does that take? And are there any that you think are worth adding? Because after a certain point, like we talked earlier, I mean, when you start selecting on more things, your ability to, to actually accurately select greatly and then move something forward um, greatly diminishes. Yeah, that's a great question, Caleb. Let's um, let's use two different traits. They're going to both be maternal traits, but these are the two I hear about the most. Um, the ability to lamb out of season and longevity. Okay, to, to understand how to, a trait has to be developed, there has to be research to back it up. Mm -hmm. um, and so there's a lot of, it takes a lot of funding. Um, I think there's some 
opportunities maybe out at USDA Mark or the Sheep Center um, research station there in Idaho that a little bit of this will be done. Um, but, you know, I mean, you're talking several years. So, I mean, I normally throw out the number a half a million to a million dollars. And that half a million is probably low. Um, some of these trades will be over a million. Australia is moving toward uh, accelerated lambing EBV. I, I bet they've dumped a couple million into that already. Because um, not only do you have to do the research, but then you have to program the program, the, the computers. Um, and then you have to, you know, check everything. I mean, it, there's, there's just a lot involved. And and then the other problem is, is actually the producers collecting the data. So let's talk about these two, um, out-of-season lambing and longevity. The only way to really know if a ewe is fertile or not is to expose her for fall lambing. Mm -hmm. And the only way the computer knows that you've exposed her for fall lambing is if you record when you turn, actually, it's not when you turn the rams out. When do you put the U into the ram pen? <laughs> or why is, but anyway, you've got to record it in a database. So you have to record every time a U and a ram are put together and when you pull them apart. So it's not just enough to record the the beginning of the breeding season, you have to record the end of the breeding season mm. and you have to do it every single time you breed. So let's say she didn't, so cause really to develop this trait, you have to, um, there'll be some that don't settle uh, or they'll set part of the trait is, are they lambing on the first heat cycle or the second heat cycle? So that, that all goes into the calculations. Um, it gets really complicated. Um, we have people that complain about taking 60-day weights. <laughs> I can't imagine people trying to record um, when you begin the breeding season and when you end the breeding season um, on a consistent basis with your entire youth flock. Uh, longevity gets complicated uh, again. You have to record when the ewes and the rams are being mated um, because you need to figure out, okay, why, um, you know, are, well, you need to figure out if they bred or if they did not breed, but then you have to record into life codes or culling codes on every single ewe. And actually, if you look at Pedigree Master, um, which is for those that aren't in NSIP, um, Pedigree Master is some software that we use to record some of this information and then to validate the data before we send it to Australia. But they're making changes to Pedigree Master. There's actually a mating database um, that we're locked out of because we're not part of that project. Um, but end of life code, I, I don't remember if it's called end of life codes or culling codes or what, but there's a, a long litany of a long list of reasons that you might call a you. Mm -hmm. And so you have to accurately record why you call every single you. And again, it's just going to take a lot more record keeping. It's not, um, 
it, it, these are traits that aren't easily measured. They have value, but um, they're not easily measured. They're expensive to, to research. They'll be expensive in time for the producers to record the information. So uh, those are the two I hear about the most. Um, there's some people talk, you know, there's a desire to have a grass-based maternal index or whatever. Mm. I think we can do it pretty simple by just using our current maternal index and then also selecting for fecal A count. Mm -hmm. I, I think we'd get 90 90%, 95%, 95% um, toward where we want to go. Because again, you get people, I, I just don't think, well, part of the problem is defining grass-based. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, my ewes are on grass, 10 months out of the year, they're eating forage 100% of the year, but I don't think a lot of people would say I'm a grass-based flock, and which is, I would not either. But um, but yet, if you, there's a lot of people, I think, if you'd say, you know, if you go out to buy rams, say, well, is this a grass-based flock? Well, yeah, it's grass-based, but uh, it's kind of different than cattle between grass-finished and forage finished <laughs> you can have a forage finish steer in a feedlot you just cut back on the amount of grain yeah. that's a lot different than pasture finish so um so the def you know like so to come up with a forage index it's tough because of the depth you know how do you define you know everyone defines it a little different Exactly. How much difference would that index be than the self-replacing index? Be pretty close, wouldn't it? I, I bet it would. Um, again, Doctor Nodder did um, some research. I think he had a grad student or something he that needed something to do. So um, th there was some concern that the I don't know. I don't even remember now which index it was that the Western range index was actually an index that we adopted from Australia or, or and I may be totally off on this, but anyway, there, there was an index that there was some thought that it could be better. And this grad student analyzed it every which way you could and, and used new, you know, cause a lot of these indexes have, they don't necessarily have a dollar component, but there is an economic assumption um, to the index. Yeah, and um, sure. so economics change. And so they were trying to use some new economic data. Um, and the bottom line result was, yeah, we could come up with a different index that perhaps is better, depending on how you define better, but it didn't change the rankings. Again, it, you know, it's like we talked earlier, it, it turned out that the ranking was basically the same. We just changed the number. <laughs> and so it didn't really make any difference 
Um, you know, do we really want to spend a lot of money to change something, to change numbers, but not change rankings? Yeah. You still want to pick the same animal. And, and think, let's use that time and let's use that money to do something different. And you think about even with the grass-based index, I mean, different producers like you know, producers in certain areas of the country aren't going to have parasites issues on grass. So parasite resistance isn't going to need to be factored as high. Other producers in a grass-based system might creep feed. So milk might not need to be as high or might not creep feed. So milk might need to be higher. You know, and you look at growth. When you talk about grass-based, are you talking about ewes that you're crossing with terminal sires? Or are you talking about finishing lambs? Because those those lambs are going to look very different as far as when you look at, at, at growth um, traits. So it, like you said, it becomes difficult to define. Um, and yeah, I think it gets back. The, if there is research that shows that the best predictor of a farm being profitable that's raising sheep is to measure the pounds of lambs weaned per ewe bread. You mm-hmm. exposed. Okay, we've already talked about the fact that we can't really do that, but we can come really close. We can get pounds of lamb weaned per you lamb. And so it doesn't make any difference if you're grass-based or feedlot-based. You need to wean pounds of lamb. <laughs> and so pick the animal with the highest index. And again, if you want to put some limits on it. I I don't have a problem with that, but in general, pick the animal with the highest index. Worm resistance. You guys froze. It complicates the factor. (laughs) Um, And so, Yeah. yeah, there'd have to be uh, some graduate level work uh, done to um, come up with a heritability and then uh, that probably would not be too hard to implement. I don't know how many people would measure it though. Um, mm-hmm. It's, you know, really we yeah. there's only a handful of producers that's taken fecal eight count. And I'm not too sure the matcha is a lot yeah. easier I mean, I, I don't, huh? it takes a lot of time. It takes about um, the same amount of time. Body condition <laughs> scoring is very subjective. Um, so is Famacha. Yeah, at least with uh, Famacha, you got a card you're supposed to be holding up to the eyelid in the sunlight. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's subjective too. Yeah. And so whenever you have a subjective measurement, okay, so, this isn't really a trait, Kayla, but. Um, I think this was done at Ohio State, maybe by Dr. Parker. Maybe he talked about this. I don't, I don't know if he talked about this on the podcast when y'all interviewed him, but um, I think it was Ohio State. They actually tried, they, they came up with like 30 different measurements that they could make on a live animal and figure to figure out which one would yield the most muscle, how much meat yield per lamb based upon 
these measurements. Well, weight actually does correlate pretty closely. Makes sense. Okay, the bigger the animal, probably there's going to be more muscling. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was that and scanning were the only two traits that measured. And they everyone was shocked that measuring the leg wasn't a good measurement. But they found out that mm-hmm. it it depended on who did the measuring. They had one technician that his data correlated really well, but none of the other technicians did. Because trying to measure around a leg of lamb at the same point on every lamb is hard to do. And so body conditioning scoring is going to be about the same. I mean, it's um, it's just going to be tough. And, and yeah, you know, I, and so, and you have to do it at the right time too. And that's what I think weight is a good, it, mm-hmm. I think looking at weight is good. Um, and we can take a weight measurement pre-breeding. Um, that certainly does not tell you anything about body condition scoring, but, um, you know, if you did body condition scoring, you would have to do it like at breeding or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and with, with weight in individual flocks, again, it comes down to, it's a visual assessment for culling for body condition score. If you decide one's coming through really thin, just like weak pasterns or whatever, you can, you can make those visual minimum standards. Well, if you're you bringing them so, through... Uh, if you're doing it pre-breeding and, and they're thin, you're in trouble. You should, you know, you've yeah. already, you should have already flushed them anyway. So you're, they ought to all be fairly similar condition pre-breeding. So. And theoretically those with poor condition, if they do manage to hold poor condition through flushing or whatever should have lower number of lambs born in the spring so you should probably be end up calling well, those long yeah. term anyway theoretically yeah. but, theoretically i mean that would be you know it would be <laughs> there would be an association between body condition scoring and the pomacha score or the fecal egg count and so that all has to be researched because if you're just measuring body condition scoring and you get one that comes through that's really thin it may not be thin genetically it may be thin purely because of some other trait and, and that's where the complications come in. I mean, yep. it, um, we actually, um, we actually turned, the NSIP voted to turn on the fecal eight count trait for the range flocks this, this spring. Um, hmm. Not without yeah. some controversy, believe it or not. Um, part of it is range flocks have trouble getting up to 500 grams average for uh, 500 eggs per gram average for the contemporary group. Um, the other, but the, the thing, mm-hmm. the kind of the deciding factor on the boat was there was really no other traits that are associated or correlated um, back to fecal egg count. Fecal egg counts currently a fairly freestanding trait. Um, so mm-hmm. And, but I mean, 
honestly, there have been times in the past that I've been concerned that I've waited too long to take my fecal samples. I might have affected the correctness of my 120-day weight EBVs because I probably had some thin lambs out there that were thin because of worms. Um, they were not lightweight because they were genetically yeah. lightweight. Um, so those are all factors that go mm -hmm. anytime we talk about any new trait, anytime we talk about tweaking any of the old traits, um, um, that's, those are all issues that the geneticists have to think about and, and work through. Yeah. And the incredible thing is how many traits we already do have, which is amazing. I mean, you look at just the, I mean, even traits that, that theoretically we very few people select on that we have access to and hardly yeah, anybody I currently uses. I um, appreciate you so saying that. I think, it's exciting. Um, do we need to make improvements? Yes, we do. Um, they take, I mean, I, we've got a proposal in front of us right now that we could, we need 80,000 a year just to really do a, a great job of maintaining the traits we have. Um, the Katahdins, the suffix, well, Katahdins are kind of interesting on that this, but there's a zero point. And I think the most of the cattle breeds reset that zero point every 10 years. Oh, excuse me. Um, we've never reset the zero point in sheep. And so, especially the suffix, it's becoming an issue. Um, but it takes, it takes research, or it, at least it takes a statistician, a geneticist, molec um, not molecular, it takes a quantitative geneticist to do some of this stuff. Um, you know, full cost of a grad student is um, 80000 probably for a university. Um, it, it would be great training, um, but where are we going to get 80000 a year to, you know, that, that's the challenge. So um, we just need to grow the program. For sure. Um, I'm going to be on two phone calls. To, I, I'm, I, again, I'm not, don't take this wrong. Um, understand my heart. Understand what I'm saying here. But tomorrow, I'm probably going to spend four hours on the phone just on NSIP stuff. And uh, there's a lot of volunteers like me doing the same thing. It's, it's not just me. Um, but we're, we're trying to push the best we can with the resources we have. And uh, um, it's a challenge, but it's it's um, interesting. I think we're helping the, the sheep industry. We just need to get to that tipping point where, um, you know, the commercial buyers are coming to us asking for our sheep. And then I think, like right now, I think we're trying to push the rope uphill. Um, the commercial buyers, when they see the value and they start pulling the rope, um, there'll be a lot more interest in the program. Yeah. It's amazing to me what I've seen with, with commercial buyers that are coming from the cattle industry that have raised cattle and are now raising sheep, just the interest and the, 
the, the complete trust in the numbers because they've seen it in their industry. And so when they come over to the sheep industry, they are just, they're, yeah. they're wine, wine, the numbers. Yeah. I mean, just, just like you, when you first got your sheep years ago and you were trying to find sheep that had EPGs, um, it's, it, I see it quite frequently with commercial producers out here that are adding hair sheep to their operations and um, want to know what they're getting. And so it's exciting for sure. I agree. Yeah. Well, thanks for having me on. Uh, Y'all are doing a great job. Uh, It'll be fun or it will not be fun for y'all to edit this one. But anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no, it's going to be great. Robert does the editing, so uh, it, it'll be easy. I will I, have it I, memorized as many times as I listen to it, trying to get it. So Robert edits, so you can, <laughs> Caleb can write his, um, all of his uh, homework assignments. Yeah, so, uh, you know, I was telling you earlier that uh, the guy works for me, his son said that that we were his number one podcast, you know. And, and I said, well, I ended up, you know, it was like sixth or seventh on my podcast deal. And he goes, Man, that's terrible. You don't listen to your own thing. I'm like, dude, if you listen to it as many times as I did editing, you don't ever want to yeah. hear it again. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure that's true. Yeah. Well, we've made a really day appreciate it. you coming on and sharing your <laughs> yeah, God, yeah, sharing your knowledge and experience. If uh, yeah, don't look. Six yeah. hours? No, five. All right, five hours. <laughs> Uh, yeah well if if people want to contact you and learn more about your program or purchase some sheep from you well do you have a yeah way that you'd like um, them to communicate i'm on social media uh len farmeyer um on facebook and twitter or l farmeyer on twitter um actually i use twitter more for crops and facebook more for livestock um the um um email is lfarmer at gmail.com um you can actually if you get on the nsip website um you can find my contact information but currently the uh, telephone number is wrong so So, yeah the chairman of nsip is not immune to having glitches in the system uh, even with my information so uh, we're working on getting that all straightened out so everyone's contact information is straight on the nsip website but um yeah you know i i don't know about everybody else but um of course i save a lot of you lambs because i'm i'm flipping pretty fast but um you lambs tend to be pretty hot right now i think um rams are a little harder to sell um, yeah. but um, yeah I could have well, sold 75 yeah. ewes this year if I had them. I had you know, I appreciate, uh, I'll, I'll say this publicly, I said it last night at a Katahdin um, commercial committee meeting. Um, they're reviving the CAT Plus program. Um, and I appreciate that because, you know, mm-hmm. an organization our size, if we're going to provide, if we're going to, yeah, if we're going to provide a service to the commercial industry, we've got to be able to source large groups of commercial use. And for years and years, if you've called, you know, the Katahdin Association and asked 
where can I buy 50 or where can I buy 100 or where can I buy 300 views, you know, you're just going to hear someone giggling on the other end because we don't have a program in place. And I appreciate the board of directors reviving this program. I think it's going to be good for the industry. And I think long term, it's going to look, it's going to make the Katahdin's look really good, you know, to the commercial industry. Because if we can start providing commercial hair use in large quantities to these people that want to expand, um, they'll come back and buy rams or whatever they need to. And they're going to get sheep from somebody. We're going mean, to buy, if they're I mean, looking we've got people here in Missouri, Robert. You probably know a couple of them. They went to the sale. They couldn't, you know, when they got laughed at on the phone, when they asked if I can buy 200, you know, lambs, they went to the sale barn and bought junk. And they knew they were buying yeah. junk. I mean, these were livestock. These were cattle people. They knew what they were buying. They knew they were junk. They were just praying they could get one good female lamb out of a lot of these junk ewes that they knew were going to be cold within nine months of being bought. And, um, right. and you know, they figured, well, it, it's taken me, instead of, you know, it, it took them four years to get to the point of where they were hoping to be their first year, but they're there now and they're still expanding. Our association should have, been helping those people out 10 years ago especially. yeah yeah I'm, I'm we we didn't we didn't and that's something i i kind of like to head towards before i get off the board is is to have a 10-year yep. plan you know the the seems like the whole time i've been on the board we're solving problems we're not planning you know and um and and if we ain't careful that could be you know that could that could be um uh, a detriment to our to our breed so so anyway we tried it we tried to start this program a few years ago for whatever reason it never launched successfully um but yeah. the board's relaunching it and i appreciate it i think in the long run it's going to look real it's going to look really good for the katahdin association to do this yeah and it helps so many of the commercial people because they can know what they're getting and get some, some sort of consistency and quality for a affordable price and um, helps a lot of, I mean, you think of cattle guys that are adding sheep to their operations and if they have a source that they can do that and put some good quality hair sheep out there, um, they can really increase their profits and that I helps mean, our industry take we're off. We're importing 50% of sure. the lamb we eat in this country or something along whatever number you want to come up with. Um, you know, we could double the U-flock in this country just to provide our own domestic consumption. I mean, and honestly, yeah, that's uh, if the yeah. the you know the yeah. dollar is dropping. I mean, if this exchange rate flips back the other way, imported lamb is going to be really expensive, and we're going to kill the demand that we've created. I mean, we we don't want to stop the imports. We need the imports right now because they're cheap to build demand. But when this dollar goes flips the other way, we need to be expanding our youth flock to meet domestic demand because it's growing. Yeah, that's uh, uh, before I get on that subject. Um, you know, we owe we owe Lynn um, 
a lot of thanks for even the Cat Plus being a topic. I mean, he laid the groundwork for it and spent a lot of time. I mean, golly, he probably wasted two years of his life uh, trying to come up with this program, you know, and uh, and finally, you know, it, we're going to see it to fruition, you know. Uh, so thanks, thanks for the forethought, you know. Um, so, so back on Absolutely. the import deal, I, I hear that all the time from, from my friends and the small, the, and it's usually from people with 30 or 40 or 50 sheep. Oh, we need to promote, promote, promote. We, you know, uh, we got to, we got to, um, um, their, their word is, is we got to, uh, uh, build the demand, man, the demand is there. We're not meeting the demand now, you know, uh, so, so you can't, you know, that I, it, it, it really, it's one of my other pet peeves is, you know, somebody will post a picture of a restaurant or I'll be at a restaurant, you know, and, and I'll take a picture. Oh man, these, this rack of lamb. First thing they'll say, is that American lamb? If you're not eating it, it don't matter where right. it comes from, <laughs> yeah. you know? So, uh, Arby's, you know, they did the, the, the Euro, you know, and everybody's like, ah, probably Australian. Who cares? It's in a fast food restaurant. We all, as producers, benefit from lamb being on the menu. Who cares where right. it comes from? And uh, that—that's the probably the biggest argument I get in with a bunch. They think I'm an anti-American lamb. No, but if it's not there, people don't get it. I mean, you know? I buy—I'll admit—I don't actually slaughter any of my own sheep. <laughs> um, but I'll buy American lamb at Walmart um, because it comes from Superior Farm. Uh, it's labeled as American lamb. But if I'm in a restaurant, yeah, I agree with you, Robert. I mean, whatever, if they're serving lamb, I'm buying it. I don't care where it's coming from. <laughs> Man, when we, when we were at ASI back in January in Phoenix and the restaurant we went to had those lollipops. Oh, my gosh, uh, those were great. That, that was as good a lamb as you'll ever have. I think I could have gotten my wife to have eaten them and she would not have known they were lamb. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah, that's the, that's the biggest, you know, we think there's not a demand for lamb, but, but it is, we're not, we're not even touching, you know? Uh -oh. So, yeah. Yeah. Yep. We need to work on, Getting our price point down to where it's affordable. We just more lambs for you. <laughs> just, yep. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Once more and more profitable, we can yeah. we can meet that market. Australia's done it, and guess where our data gets processed? <laughs> Australia, because they've been using it for a long time, and they've used the technology and that's allowed them to reach that level of profitability. So. Well, they have used, and actually Rusty shows a great graph. He has a series of graphs from the cattle industry showing when they adopted EBVs, how their traits just went up. You know, they were just flat, 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 and then everything went up. Um, this, he, he has a sheep graph, but it's from Australia. And then he shows the U.S. graph, and it's just flat line. <laughs> but anyway, um, actually, we've got it. 
Robert might have seen this. This was on Facebook, I think, on one of the discussion groups. It's been six months ago. Someone was questioning some comment that I made about the cost of production or something. He, he was from Australia. And once I laid the things, everything out, because I think my point was our cost of production is not that different. It's the dollar mm. right now. It's the exchange yeah. rate that's killing us. Um, and once I laid everything out and converted everything to Australian dollars, he was like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> uh, if this exchange rate flips, we're in trouble. <laughs> because, again, I mean, yeah, there's differences and there always will be. But the reality is Australian lamb isn't produced that much cheaper than American lamb. The difference right yeah. now is the exchange rate, yep. the, or the biggest the majority difference. Of it. Yeah. And if we flip this exchange rate, um, it, I tell you, it's going to be <laughs> wild. <laughs> I'm not too sure how you get in front of that ball, except for just make sure you're if you've expanded your U flock ahead of time, I guess. Because uh, I mean, I don't know how high. But yeah, I mean, we're we, we're demand's growing domestically. Mm -hmm. We can't meet the demand if with our current U flock, and if import prices start going up, I mean, yeah, domestic prices will go up, but we need to meet the demand. Otherwise, we kill the demand yeah. that we've yeah. built. So that's way off the topic. <laughs> well, we've, never, we're, we're, we've never been off topic. I don't know where you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> and, and like yeah, most well, guests, we say bye 10 times before we say bye. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've noticed that. It, you, you'll even edit no, those really. all out. So. <laughs> the, the nice thing is uh, that since this is our podcast, we set the topic. And that's if we right. set it as we go, we're technically never off topic. So We're in charge. <laughs> so there you go. Yeah. Thank you Thanks, so much. Thanks, guys. Y'all have Thanks. a you guys. good week. You as well. Uh -huh. See you. Wow. Talk about a great conversation and a really long one with Lynn Farmeyer. This series of podcasts has been a lot of fun to record. Um, it was a really great conversation with Lynn, and we all really enjoyed the, the opportunity to uh, interview Lynn. At least I know uh, Robert and I did. Hopefully Lynn enjoyed his time as well. And uh, it was a lot of fun on our end for sure. And hopefully you all enjoyed listening. Um, a lot of great information, whether it was about the individual traits in NSIP, whether it was about the indexes you can use or genomics, whether it was about uh, who should use NSIP and why. Um, it covered a lot of information, a lot of big stuff um, and some really great helpful information. So um, stay tuned for our next podcast as well. Actually in between this podcast and our next podcast, uh, we actually recorded an in-person podcast for our next one and actually had a chance to stop by at Lynn's uh, for a visit. Um, if you haven't met Lynn Farmeyer at different events and stuff, uh, go up to him if you can and introduce yourself. Lynn is a great guy and uh, really, really neat to get to record a podcast with him. Great to get to meet him and see his operation. Uh, Lynn is definitely a the real deal when it comes to breeding sheep. He knows what he's doing, knows what he's selecting for, and uh, he's been doing it for a long time and has a lot of knowledge. So 
appreciate all the work that he does. He puts in a lot of time behind the scenes to help the sheep industry be successful and appreciate him taking a little bit of that time out to come and help us and record this podcast and share with us and with our listeners, with y'all, a little bit about um, NSIP and how you can use it and all that. So stay tuned for our next podcast. If you have questions in the meantime, don't hesitate to send us an email, podcast at cheapthings.com. Check out our website, cheapthings.com, where you can find uh, classified ads. You can place classified ads. You can find some great uh, gifts and apparel, things that you can give to your friends and family um, and different other things that you can check out, neat things on our website. Uh, we have some information from previous podcasts where you can find information, things that we've talked about and some blog posts. And then you can also find some videos there too from podcasts that have actually been recorded in videos. So uh, head over there, sheepthings.com. And if you have questions, don't hesitate to send us an email. Uh, shout out to us at podcast at sheepthings.com. Again, thanks so much for listening. Thanks for listening to the Sheep Things Podcast. Stay connected to our website and Facebook page or sign up to follow us on a podcast service to get updates. We want your feedback, so you can email us at podcast at sheepthings.com for suggestions or comments. Thank you and see you later.